Welcome back, everyone, to the Chaos Ball Podcast, the best and most chaotic MLB slash Mariners podcast on the internet. Thanks for tuning in to this one. Boy, have we got some stuff to unpack in this episode. But a little bit of housekeeping, I'll put it, before we get into the meat of things here. Uh, There are some new listeners out there. Hello, welcome. There's also older, more experienced listeners out there that have yet to rate and review the podcast on wherever you're listening. Uh, New listeners, old listeners, I implore you, uh, go drop a rating uh, or review. really means a lot uh, to me personally for the podcast growth. Uh, And I know there's there's a lot of you who have yet to do this, so... It would mean a lot. It would take a little bit of your time, and I would really, really appreciate it. Uh, and in the review, you don't have to put your real name. Put uh, a fun baseball player's name. Put uh, Mike Carp. Put uh, Kenji Jodrama. You know, put some some player's name there. I don't know. John Stanton. John Stanton. Someone, someone please review the podcast uh, and title it John Stanton. If he actually reviewed the podcast, I'm sure he would hate it uh, simply because of all the I've never, I haven't wished ill will towards the man, but I haven't spoken very highly of him uh, these past few months during the offseason. And then another note of housekeeping here, uh, I have a YouTube channel I created a few weeks ago. I I think I tweeted about it. Nothing on there significantly yet. Uh, It's just a place where I'm archiving my podcast, basically. Uh, You look out for more content in 2023 as a whole on YouTube, uh, trying to figure out how I'm going to split my time between my real job and this podcast, but I want to start doing some YouTube stuff, whether it be shorts, videos, uh, and I'm going to keep uploading the podcast up there. There's no video to go along with it. It's just the my logo and, and then the, the audio you're listening to right now. But if you know anyone who doesn't really listen to podcasts on you know Apple, Amazon, wherever, uh, and likes to you know just put stuff on on YouTube in the background. You can point him in the direction of my podcast channel. It's just the Chaos Ball Podcast. Uh, and yeah, look out for some potential YouTube content coming in 2023. So that is exciting. That's exciting. Now let's get into things here. What has happened since I last podcasted? Well, a lot of stuff. Of course, the biggest news is. The stuff with Carlos Correa. And you know by the title of this episode, he is still unemployed. Carlos Correa still is not employed by a Major League Baseball team. Now, is it because he is going to school to pursue a degree in business? I don't think so. You know, you never know, actually. Who knows what he wants to do with his life? You know, maybe he's going to move to Antarctica and study climate change. How about that? Maybe he just completely pivots and does not play baseball anymore. No, seriously, he doesn't have a job still. Still doesn't have a job. Like, and we don't know a whole lot. Like, there's not a whole lot that's come out of this. Obviously, we know him and the Mets are probably engaging in talks like every single day to restructure the deal they agreed with. Maybe I don't know. It's it's interesting. I'll get down to what all happened too, because in natural fashion with this podcast, I dropped this uh, the last podcast, the Brian Reynolds edition. I believe the twentieth. And not uh, 24 hours later, on the 21st, uh, the deal falls apart from Correa to the Giants. So if you forgot, it feels like it's been a long time now for some reason, but it's only been a couple weeks. Uh, 
Carlos Correa had agreed to a 13-year, $350 million agreement with the Giants, right? Everyone remembers this. They missed out on Arson Judge. They missed out on Aaron Judge as well. Two big swings and misses there. Uh, and then bombshell news that they, they agreed with Carlos Correa. And then a couple days later, it comes out that, uh, the, you know, there's a problem with his medical, right? And then I wake up one morning... And I see the headline that he signs with the Mets. And I legitimately thought it was a joke because at this point, like, we weren't, we knew Steve Cohen. We were aware of his his exploits this offseason. But boy, was it just all jokes prior to this where it was like, oh, the, the deal, maybe he's going to fall apart. And it's like, oh, okay, Steve Cohen's probably on the phone. Turns out, I'm sure, Boris probably called Steve Cohen. Uh, because all of this was going down simply because, obviously, Boris knew the Giants were probably a little suspect once they did the medical, right? And the Mets were that team that I think made the Giants agree to this huge deal. I think Boris was probably like, if you guys don't agree to this deal by the end of today, I'm going to my homie, Steve Cohen, and he's going to sign this dude on a whim. And look what happened. He did. But it turns out maybe the Giants were valid in what they were, what they were talking about. Because initially it came out that he signs with the Mets. Bombshell news. Bombshell news that he he, the Giants don't want him because of the medical, and the Mets swoop in and they agree to a twelve-year, three hundred fifteen million dollar contract. So one less year and a little bit less money, but really not that much less money in the grand scheme of things. Uh, and it's it's huge news. And everyone's clowning on the Giants. And it was very fun to clown on the Giants. And it was, you know, it was a it was a valid clowning job on Twitter, I feel like, just because it was like, oh, we found this injury from like 2014. Uh, and we just don't like what it looked like. And my first assessment, most people's first assessment of this was like, oh, well, they probably agreed to this deal because there was pressure uh, by the fans to sign someone after they whiffed on Aaron Judge and like any of the shortstops, right? Uh, and then there was pressure probably put on them by Boris saying that uh, you need to agree to this deal or I'll go to my man's over there in New York and he'll probably sign Carlos Correa. He'll sign whoever uh, if, if you don't want him. And then basically, again, my thinking and most people's thinking was like, oh, this is just an excuse for him to get out of the deal. They had cold feet. They realized they didn't want to actually do this deal. They didn't want to commit the 13 years, $350 million to Carlos Correa. Um, basically that like the, the physical and the injury they brought up was kind of just like a sham. Basically like just, they just made it up to renege on this deal. Right. And, and as time has gone on, it's clear that maybe the giants were valid. Maybe it was both. Maybe the giants were like, you know, there is this lingering thing that could present an issue. He's still probably a great player. However, we should, we don't want to do this deal. Now that we've thought about it, now that the owner's thought about it, he's like, nope, never mind. Um, so there's it might be a little bit of both. But since then, there's been like nothing. Like it's been like a week, weeks even, and nothing. Uh, per like Fox Sports, MLB, and uh, New York uh, baseball beat writer, the Mets have grown, quote, very frustrated with Carlos Correa in negotiations and are now considering walking away. Um, apparently, there's another team in the mix now. Like, it's it's a mess. It is an absolute mess. 
I've seen Carlos Correa photoshopped into almost every single team's jersey on Twitter these past couple weeks where it's like, who's going to sign him now? Uh, the best one would be the A's. They give him, A's give him two years, $30 million. It's like, come, come play for us. Come try out. I just, who knows what's going to happen? I think the funniest part of this whole thing was one that we now especially know never, not, not to not trust Steve Cohen, but to not assume that he won't do something. I think it's dangerous to assume that he will just be silent about something and not throw a bunch of his money at a good baseball player. Uh, he's very unexpected, and we all know that now going forward, and he's serious about his baseball team. But now, do they lose out on Correa? Who else would sign him? Or if the Mets even agree to this deal, what is the deal going to look like? How drastically different? Like, it takes a long time to drop a huge contract like this. And with injuries in this medical the Mets are probably valid in their thinking with Correa and Boris that maybe we want a shorter-term deal than 12 years. Maybe it could be 10 years, but maybe there's an opt-out, uh, a team opt-out after five or six or seven. There's a player opt-out after seven or eight, like something like Julio's deal a little bit where there's a lot of opt-outs, there's a lot of incentives. Um, I think it could look like that, or potentially another team could just swoop in here and be like, hey, we know about this leg injury that you have. We're aware. We'll do the physical like all the other teams, but we still want you on our baseball team because you're going to improve it. And who could do that? Um, I mean, the Mariners aren't going to do that. They could, theoretically. They aren't. I guess the Yankees could. Uh, I, I, I mean, they could. Uh, a sneaky team that I think could really do it would be the Red Sox. That would be crazy if Haim pulls that off. We'll talk about them a little later in this episode, but it's just a saga at this point. And knowing, not my luck, but just how this podcast has become to work, um, if you're listening to this today when I'm recording on Friday, I'm putting this out today, tonight. By Saturday night, Carlos Correa is uh, going to be on another team signed, I'm sure. I'm sure of it. And then you'll have to wait another week or two. Uh, to hear my thoughts on it because the tough part was I was going to do an emergency podcast when all this came out if anything in the world warrants an emergency podcast besides like Mariners big news it's it's Steve Cohen's in Hawaii agreeing to a deal with Carlos Cray who already agreed to a deal with the Giants like that's very emergency podcast worthy uh, but unfortunately I released that podcast and then I went home for the holidays without any of the things I really need to record a podcast. So I, my hands were kind of tied there and I couldn't really do anything. Rookie mistake. I'm bringing my microphone and everything I need to record a podcast everywhere I ever go now, just in case, especially during the off season, just in case it needs to be an emergency pod. I'm dedicated like that. I'll do it. Oh, but that, that's it. There's not much else to say. I think I summarized it pretty well. Who knows at this point what's going to happen. Uh, Correa is probably super frustrated. I'm sure everyone involved is frustrated. I'm now just wondering what teams are going to start to leak out if they want him, what Boris is going to do, because let's just say it comes out, someone scoops the news, like like Passin or Morosi, or Passin doesn't really do these, but like Morosi is like a big, like, oh, these are interested guys, right? Would Boris just leak, like, oh, the Red Sox, the Yankees are, are interested in signing Carlos Correa, the Dodgers are are interested in signing Carlos Correa. 
is there any merit to these? We probably wouldn't know until it actually happens, but I can see this totally happening for a Korea mess, as Boris called it. But now it's and now it's pushing towards Valentine's Day. Make a pun out of Cars Grand Valentine's Day or something. I don't know, man. This is crazy. I'm excited to see how it pans out. And like, what what if like out of the whole off season besides Trevor Gott, John Stanton's like, you know what? Screw it. I'm I've had a change of heart. Bring me Carlos Correa, the guy who might potentially really be a risky long term deal with this uh, leg injury that the Mets and the Giants found. Like, imagine that is the one that John Stanton does and and it doesn't pan out. Like, it, uh, it would make almost perfect sense uh, foregoing the fact that we know we're not going to really sign for agents, you know? So, it's interesting. It's interesting stuff. Keep an eye out for whatever happens to Correa because uh, I'm excited. I think he, he should, the Red Sox should just sign him. Screw it. Okay, what else has happened? Uh, some more minor news with the Mets. They traded James McCann and Cash to the Orioles. Uh, an interesting move, not one that is surprising. I think everyone connected to baseball was like, this is the move the Mets are going to make this offseason for sure. Uh, basically, just a salary dump because McCann's got, I think, $24 million remaining on his contract through like next season. Uh, I think the Mets are going to pay most of that, but I think they just wanted to get him off the books. Uh, and the Orioles right now, even though they were pretty good last year, I think they're probably glad to take a catcher that could be just, I don't know, backing up Adley Rushman. I don't know. It doesn't do much for the Orioles for me. Like, I guess they, they take a James McCann. Maybe they like him. Maybe they just think he can be an okay backup. I mean, he really hasn't been very good. Like last year was he, was he was awful. I think he had like 500 OPS last year. He was basically platooning with like Tom Tomas Nito. Really hurt. I don't know. I don't know. I just think once they signed Armand or Vias, McCann was out of there for a good reason. He's just not good enough, and I don't think they could justify paying him that much money to have him just sit on the bench or in the minors. So uh, they they take on most of the contract and send him to the Orioles, and the Orioles get a little bit of cash as well. So I guess I mean. Maybe McCann, maybe they think McCann could just be a really good mentor for Adley Rushman. I mean, McCann's like 33. He's been around. He's been in the league for a while. If if there's anything positive to come out of this, the Orioles don't really need to pay him anything because the Mets are paying him most of the deal. And maybe he can just be a good veteran mentor to Adley Rushman. I don't think he brings much on the field. But sometimes it's invaluable to have a guy like that with a young kid, even though you know Adley's arrived. It's probably still worth getting some good advice from a lot of veterans. It always is. And that was the big news out of New York, besides Correa, obviously. Uh, who else got signed? Uh, Nathan Eovaldi. The Rangers, again, opening the purse for a pitcher. They announced they signed him to basically, uh, this basically rounds out their rotation for the year. I think the Rangers are probably, they're not. I don't think they're done. But pitching-wise, starting pitcher-wise, definitely done. That's what they addressed this offseason. I still think they have uh, relief pitcher depth. To worry about as well as getting another outfielder, but the offseason's not over. We'll see what the Rangers keep doing. But this is another just good signing by the Rangers. I mean, it's not the most sustainable model what they're doing. However, their owner and their front office is everyone in the team is basically like, hey, we're just gonna go for it. It's not the most sustainable thing. 
Like this might look awful in four years. However, they're going to be competitive this year, if anything, and they can build off these contracts for the next couple of years with a couple of the young guys they have in the lineup right now. And hopefully, I mean, they could go on a run. I don't know. It's a, it's an interesting makeup, this Rangers lineup, especially the pitching, because as it stands right now, you have DeGrom, who, you know, DeGrom is amazing and awesome and the best pitcher in the world when he's pitching. Few and far between these past few years of when he pitches, but when he's out there, he's fantastic. And they have uh, John Gray and Martin Perez. John Gray seems like it seems like for the past five years, John Gray has been oh this is the year he's gonna put it all together and he never does. And I just don't think he's going to, but he's definitely a pitcher. He can pitch in the MLB and that's fine. Martin Perez career here last year, great year. Uh, I doubt he does it again, but I don't think he's going to be a bad pitcher this season. I think he's still a quality guy, especially when he's not going to be their ace. They have Vigram. Then they also signed Andrew Heaney, which he, again, similar to Degrom, not in like skill. Like Heaney pitched really well for the Dodgers last year after moving to the Dodgers from the Angels, and he just didn't stay healthy. He was really good when he pitched, but he didn't stay healthy. The same is for Nathan Eovaldi. When Nathan Eovaldi is pitched, he's great. Uh, it's just injuries have, have plagued him the past few years. But I, like when they're all pitching, they're all good. Uh, and then they have Dane Dunning and Jake Odorizzi. I'm assuming Odorizzi will be the 5-6 John Gray. I don't know. Uh, but Odorizzi is just a veteran who can still pitch. Like I mean, I don't think – again, I don't think I would put him in the boat with bad pitchers. He's a fine back end of the rotation guy at the moment, especially with I think he will probably likely him and Martin Perez maybe be their most healthy, sustainable, reliable guys in the rotation. Uh, but it's interesting how they're built. I, I like what they're doing. I mean, they're just kind of going for it. Again, not sustainable, but the owner's like, yeah, I'll spend money. Just go out and get the guys, and they, they have. So AOS is shaping up to be really interesting next year for a lot of reasons. Uh, but that is what the Rangers have done. And now, who else has signed since we last talked? The other, um, there's a couple more like big names on here. Uh, the Giants, uh, they signed Michael Conforto to uh, two years, $36 million, with a opt-out after the first year. It's funny to me, and I think I tweeted this, that they were worried about Carlos Correa's physical and then they go out and they sign Michael Conforto. I know it's not the same, you know, money or years. Ten less years, basically. Eleven less years and like 300 less million dollars. It's just funny because like Conforto is probably the fourth best outfielder available this year in the offseason. I think, you know, again, when he's playing, he's good. But that shoulder and MLB and shoulders, man, that's good for no one. And I don't know. I mean, the opt-out after the first year and like two years, $36 million is not very much. It's like the Mitch Hanniger deal. It's not a whole lot of money. It's shorter term. Like when he plays, he plays and he's a good outfielder. Uh, and think when he plays, especially down there at Oracle, uh, I think his just gap power will be really useful there, especially right center. Uh, I don't think uh, park factor i think they're very average down there in the bay i think home runs are a little down it's harder to hit home runs but it's way easier to hit doubles and triples just because the gaps are huge and i think that plays into 
Michael Conforto's strengths a little bit. So it's interesting how the Giants are choosing to make their team as well. I still don't know exactly what to make of them. It's hard to count them out because they're the Giants and they somehow just just win. They just win games. But in the division with the Dodgers, who are still great, the Padres, who got better this offseason after being in the NLCS last season, the Diamondbacks, who are kind of surging, and I, I think they could be a dark horse for a, a sneaky, spicy wildcard team. The Rockies exist. I don't know. It's a tough division for the Giants, but we'll see how they put it together this year. Another big signing, the Phillies brought Craig Kimbrell. Brought? Signed. Well, I guess they're bringing him to Philadelphia. But they signed him one year, $10 million. Uh, You know, he's, uh, he, I, he's, I don't think he's going to immediately close. I don't think Sir Anthony Dominguez has lost that job. But he'll likely be a high-leverage late-inning guy, and it's Craig Kimbrell. You know, he's a reliever, so you never know when relievers are completely going to fall off. He did kind of lose his ninth inning job last year with the Dodgers. However, you know, it's Craig Kimbrell. So, track record, probably still a good pitcher. Shores up their bullpen a little bit. Uh, and then another, more Giants news uh, with just another reliever. Um, Taylor Rogers is joining the Giants. Reliever Taylor Rogers. And now we'll play with his twin brother, Tyler Rogers. It's funny. Uh, they're very different pitchers, but they're twins. Like, God, they couldn't be more different because Tyler's such a unique pitcher. Uh, but Taylor Rogers is a good pitcher. And I just wanted to mention this because it's awesome that they're going to play together. And their parents can go to the games and potentially watch both of their guys. So that's fun. Uh, the Giants, again, you know, just shoring up the bullpen a little bit. Uh, now some other deals that I want to quickly gloss over uh but i will touch on gene segura signed with the marlins their first signing of the offseason two years 17 million dollars this was one of the one of two teams up till this point that hadn't spent a penny on free agents uh that both changed in the past week uh but gene segura to the marlins this does absolutely nothing for me nothing at all like what are the marlins doing I, I don't see the vision at all with the Marlins. I think they're going to trade Jazz Chisholm, to be honest with you. Uh, it sounded like he was causing problems in the locker room, whether that's his fault or the team just didn't like him. I personally would love to root for Jazz Chisholm on my baseball team. So if they're going to trade him, trade him, baby. But, like, yeah, I don't know, Gene Segura to the Marlins. Why? Like, did Gene just go for money? Did no other teams want him? Does he not care about trying to win a ring? I just don't see the vision with the Marlins. I just, I, they're such a meh franchise. There's just nothing going on that really excites me besides their two frontline starters, you know? Uh, moving on. Will Myers, unfortunately, has signed with the Cincinnati Reds. He was the guy I really wanted the Mariners to sign, filled a lot of our needs, and was a good clubhouse guy. Just, I've talked about it ad nauseum. He signed one year, $7.5 million with an option for the second year. Like, is John Stanton that cheap? Or did Jerry DePoto fumble the bag and not sign him? Or did they not even look at him? They definitely should have looked at him. He fills first base, DH, outfield, the two things we need at the moment. Uh, backups or starters. Uh, he's a good hitter. I don't know. This just seems like 
he's going to go to Cincinnati with an option for the second year. I think this year, if he just rakes in Cincinnati, which he probably will, his offensive numbers will definitely jump up just based on the park. Uh, he'll probably not opt for the second year and then maybe go to a, a better team for a little bit more money next year. Potentially, maybe maybe a mid-year trade deadline guy if he's just absolutely scorching the ball. Because, again, the Reds aren't going anywhere with him. Uh, I think he took this just for the money and an opportunity to honestly hit in a great ballpark, the best hitting ballpark in the league. Basically, that and Coors. So this is this will be fun for Will Meyer. Shout out to Will Meyer. This just seems like a move he would do. Just to go rake, have fun in Cincinnati. Uh, I do want to be on record. I will do something very bad if Will Myers gets traded to the Mariners midseason this year. If we give up assets to claim Will Myers, a man who we could have signed this entire offseason, I will do something bad. I don't know what it is yet. Depends on how the year's going, I guess. But that would be... Oh, God, that would be... Oh, it would make me so mad. I can't even think about that. Moving on. Another very important signing. The Pirates signed Rich Hill. One year, $8 million. The Dick Mountain, if anyone doesn't know, that's his nickname, Dick Mountain. Don't call him anything else. He's, his name is Dick Mountain. He's 42 years old. He will be 43 on opening day. He throws 69 mile an hour curveballs, and he's still a pretty decent pitcher. I don't know why he's still playing. Maybe he just loves baseball. Uh... But he's still out there. He's going to be 43 next season, pitching on a team that's, you know, it's the Pirates. And at this point, I feel like the Pirates are just hiring babysitters for all of their young fellas. Like, I, this is a good signing for the Pirates. They need a couple more. I feel like they need a couple more guys like this on the roster. Veterans to babysit all of these really young, talented guys they have. Uh, it's... <laughs> It's just interesting that Rich Hill's still playing. It's been like, is he going to retire in the past like four seasons? And still no, he's still playing. Uh, okay, other signings. Eric Hosmer signing with the Cubs. Woohoo! Also does nothing to me. Also begs the question, what are the Cubs doing? They signed Dansby. I liked that signing. I'm just confused, again, at their direction of the team. Like, Eric Hosmer does almost nothing for me as well. So... Congratulations to the Cubs. You have Eric Hosmer. The D-backs signed Evan Longoria to one year, $4 million. Another just veteran guy still hanging on. He actually hit pretty well last year, I want to say. Um, I think this is a good signing for the D-backs, similar to the Pirates. They have a lot of young fellows on this team that a veteran like Evan Longoria can certainly help in the locker room and clearly still offers something at the plate. Obviously, nowhere near to how good Evan Longoria has been in his career, but he see, hit decently last year, so I think you know he'll be fine. They have Josh Rojas at third base, but I think he probably fills the DH role. Uh, he won't play every day, but he's just good to have around. Uh, I think just yeah, Evan Longoria, man, and I lo- I loved watching Evan Longoria in his prime. Uh, I'm, it's cool that he's still hanging around uh, on a team that I. Enjoyed watching last year and probably will enjoy watching uh, this year as well. And then the last signing I'm going to touch on, Wade Miley signed with the Brewers. Why am I touching on this? Two reasons. One, well, three reasons, actually. The first reason, it's a signing. I'll touch on every signing. But Wade Miley, reason number two, Wade Miley, sneaky, been good starter the past few years. He was fine starter on the Mariners. He's like 
been good the past few years. Like he's fine. Like uh, he's valuable to a team, to a baseball team. And the Brewers, like likewise with some of the other teams, I don't see the vision as much. I just don't know what they're gonna do. Are they tearing it down? Are they not tearing it down? Are they rebuilding? Are they going for it? I cannot tell what they're doing. Uh, the third reason, the third and final and most important reason I'm talking about Wade Miley to the Brewers is the Brewers, like the Marlins, were one of the three teams who has not, well, one of the two teams who didn't spend a penny, right? It was them and the Marlins. And this past week, the Marlins signed Gene Segura for $17 million. And the Brewers signed Wade Miley for more than $0. And now this leaves the Seattle baseball Mariners as dead last in free agency spending this year with their one signing being Trevor Gott, $1.4 million. And that makes me really sad and upset. Uh, Didn't think I was going to be looking at this. Even a couple weeks ago, I didn't think this. I, I still don't think we'll be last. I think they'll sign like one or two guys to not very much money. I just, I didn't expect them to sign one of the premier top guys. It would have been cool if they did. But I didn't expect that after DePoto's comments to basically start the offseason. But boy, did I expect them to spend more than this and be the last team, last place team in the league in free agency spending. Last place. The Reds, the Pirates, the Marlins, the, the D-backs, the, the A's. They're all above us by like a decent margin. Like, it's just so upsetting to look at. Uh, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not getting in a hole again about this. But boy, does it gas me up. What a sad, sad excuse for an owner John Stanton is. Sad, sad, sorry excuse. And the bar is so low. For sports owners, MLB owners in general, it's a very unique situation in the MLB. The bar is crazy low, and he has smashed through to the bottom of the earth. He He's in the earth's core right now. That's how low he's he's been. God, he sucks. If I saw John Stanton in the street, I wouldn't do anything to him. I don't even know if I'd say anything to him, but I'd boo at him. I think getting a nice boo in public, you don't expect it, and I think it would hit more than saying like, "Hey, John Stanton, hey, fuck you, man." I like, I don't think that would really hit that much. The dude's a billionaire. Like, who? Like, why would you care? I think getting booed in the street, like next to someone else, I think that hits a little hard. It's like in uh, in a car. If you're mad at someone, you could flip them off. That's a that's a very popular decision. But what you should really do is give them the thumbs down. Because then it's like, I'm just disappointed in your choices. I'm not even mad. And same with John Stanton. I would just boo him. I'm just not a fan. And I think he would he would go contemplate his life after that. I implore you, if you see John Stanton ever, boo him. Uh, likely he won't be walking around on the streets. He's a billionaire. They don't really do that. But if he's at Mariners games, and if I see him in a Mariners game next season, the boos will rain down. I'm sure all of you listening will boo him just like me, as he should be. That was my short little Mariners free agent update. Nothing, nothing, nothing has happened. And now I'll get into a couple more things that have happened in the past couple weeks. 
The big trade that happened was the Blue Jays yet again making a big trade, this time with the Arizona Diamondbacks. They traded Dalton Varsho to the Blue Jays for Lourdes Gurriel and Gabriel Moreno. Uh, I think we're all familiar with Lourdes Gurriel, brother of Yuli Gurriel. He's been on the Blue Jays for a few years. He's been a pretty good piece in their lineup. Kind of a down year last year, but good track record. Uh, And Gabriel Moreno makes sense, and it was very expected that the Blue Jays would trade at least one of their three catchers uh, because they have Danny Jansen and Alejandro Kirk, uh, two very good catchers. And then they have this their number one prospect, Gabriel Moreno, who came up last year at the end of last season. Got some play, looks good, looks like he he might be just a great catcher going forward. Um, it makes sense that they traded him, especially to acquire a lefty outfield bat that they desperately needed in this lineup. And Dalton Varsho is awesome. I love Dalton Varsho. I don't know if I've been on the record talking about how much I love Dalton Varsho, but he's so cool. He's such a unique player. Uh, I'll get into his his a couple stats I pulled. Just he's just a, he's just a great player. Uh, and under the radar, partially because I think he plays on the D-backs, and partially just because he's not the most flashy guy out there. But I think this trade is good for both sides. This is a win-win. This is an absolute win-win. The the Blue Jays, as I said, they get an elite defensive outfielder whose bat has been pretty solid, uh, and he's a lefty. He hit for power. And then they get rid of Lourdes Gurriel and uh, Gabriel Moreno, who there wasn't a good path for Gabriel Moreno to break into the their major league system. I mean, if they didn't have two great catchers, even if they just had one, like potentially you have him as a backup but I think capitalizing on his value right now and trading him for a great player is a great move. So one of those trades, similar to the to the Swanson trade, I think it's just kind of a win-win. Another good move for the Blue Jays and a good move for the Diamondbacks. I think the Diamondbacks looking at their roster makeup, this makes sense. I mean, Varsho is a great player, as I've said, but they have Jake McCarthy in the outfield, who's great. I think they believe in Corbin Carroll, one of their top prospects in center. Uh, Lourdes Gurriel will now be in the outfield. Uh, they have Alec Thomas, another young guy. Catel uh, Marte, you know, middle infielder, because he can play in the outfield as well. He has for them. I just think they think they're pretty good in the outfield, uh, and they really just needed um, Gabriel Moreno is the piece they needed. Lourdes was probably a good add-on for them to to float them this year. I think his contract's up after next year, but. Uh, Gabriel Moreno is a big piece for them in this trade, and I think going forward he will be their starter. I think things just didn't really work out for them and Carson Kelly. Like he, He'll still be on the team, but he was supposed to be the guy. He was supposed to be their catcher who rose up through their ranks and and was the stalwart of their team and their, their backstop, their pitching staff for years to come, and it just hasn't really panned out. I think Gabriel Moreno can be that guy with Carson Kelly as the backup. That's a pretty decent situation they got going. But now getting into a little bit on Varsho. As I mentioned earlier, he's such a unique baseball player that more people need to know about. He is One of his unique traits is he's quite thick, but he's quick. Like, he's, he's sneaky. He's quicker than you think he is or quicker than you think he should be, and that plays into his strengths in the outfield, you wouldn't look at this man and say, oh, that might be the best defensive outfielder in the league. You look at him and it's like, oh, he looks like, you know, he plays a corner outfield. 
Um, he'll transition to full-time DH and rake. Uh, and it's not the opposite. He can hit pretty well, and his bat played pretty well last year. Uh, but his real gem is his outfielding, and oh, he is so elite defensively in the outfield. Uh, two stats I wanted to throw at you, some very basic stats. According to Stathead, he was fourth overall in defensive war total last season uh, with two total wins above replacement just from the defense alone, which is crazy. That's a lot of defensive war. Like, not many guys put up two-plus defensive war seasons. Uh, and then the other one, which I think this stat has really come onto the mainstream recently, and I'm glad because StatCast has awesome stats, the outs above average stat. He had 16 outs above average last season, uh, and that ranks fifth overall in the entire league. Uh, and also, part of his uniqueness is he can also play catcher, which he definitely won't do for the Blue Jays. He did last year for the Diamondbacks a little bit, but like midway through the season, they started playing him more consistently in the outfield, and his bat really came alive more. He looked like just an overall better player, one, because he's an elite defensive outfielder. Uh, I don't, I'm not as familiar with his defensive stats behind the plate, but I don't think he was bad. I don't think he was great. But again, it was, he qualified as a catcher and an outfielder last season. That's how unique he is. Like that, It's not something you see every day. But I think going forward, it's huge for him that he will be in their starting outfield. He will slot into the middle of that order, and he will probably hit potentially better than last season. If he keeps developing right, he will be one of the better two-way uh, outfielders in the entire league, one of the better two-way players in the entire league. Because um, defense doesn't just like go away like that. He's still young. Uh, and the Blue Jays don't need him a catcher. So I think him getting full-time work in the outfield or DHing as well is perfect for him. I think that only boosts the offensive numbers because I think obviously it's not you know a groundbreaking discovery that uh, catching is really hard, really fucking hard. I don't know how guys play catcher and still manage to go up there and like hit home runs. <laughs> it's crazy to me because it just wears on you. It just wears on you. And it showed last year when he went to the outfield. He, he clearly had an uptick in numbers when he went uh, to essentially a full-time outfielder role last year. So this is a huge trade. Uh, I think, again, both teams got better. Uh, good for both teams. Good for, for Varsho. And I hope if you didn't know who Don Varsho was before, you know a little bit more about him now. I really enjoyed watching last season, and I totally will this season in that Blue Jays lineup. So... That was a huge trade. That was pretty exciting. Uh, and then we're going to get into a couple extensions that happened. So Sean Murphy is the first one, agreed to a very, very, very Atlanta Braves extension after they traded for him. This was kind of unexpected, to be honest. It was a very Braves way of doing things, right? They they just put out the press release. There wasn't any like, oh, the Braves are in talks to extend Sean Murphy. There wasn't any of that. It was just, oh, we've extended him. And that's basically how all the other extensions have been. They just press release, oh, we extended this guy for a minimum wage for 10 years. That's essentially what the Braves do. They gave him six years, $73 million, so that runs through the 2028 season. Uh, it, can, it includes like an option in 2028 or a buyout. I don't know. It, the later year structure gets a little bit more confusing, but 
it basically he gets paid pretty cheaply for the next couple of years and then it ramps up to like 15 and 20 15 like average the next like after 2024 so great move by the Braves another fantastic extension like the Braves will trade for Shohei Otani this season and then extend him like 10 years 150 million that just seemed like every guy it seems like they've extended like that it's it's crazy and I'll read them how like set they are for the future at the moment it's it's crazy they have Austin Riley who's on a 10-year deal Matt Olson's on an eight-year deal Ronald Acuna's on an eight-year deal Spencer Strider they extended is on a six-year deal Sean Murphy now six-year deal Michael Harris eight years um ugh, Marcelo Zuna's on this list get him out of here absolutely not uh Ozzy Albee's a seven-year deal that is a lot of great, great guys who they have locked up for not a super expensive amount of money for a long time. Uh, so credit to the Braves front office. I'm sure they'll extend Von Grisham. Uh, it'll, it'll come out later this year. They extended Von Grisham seven years, $51 million. This is just the way things are going, I think. I think the Braves is the hyper example of how baseball is moving forward, I think. They either will revisit in the next CBA when a guy touches free agency to maybe have them go to free agency earlier in their career. But we're seeing now the conversations around guys who enter free agency at the normal time after their six, seven years of service time with the team that brought them up on their first contract after a couple of years of arbitration, they're in their late 20s or they're 30. Uh, in the case of like Aaron Judge, who's already 30, like guys like Correa, Xander Bogarts, all those guys, like late 20s or early 30s is when their first free agency bout comes. And it's basically market dictated to where this year they got a buttload of money for a lot of reasons. But like a couple years ago, they probably would have gotten less years, uh, maybe even less money just because they're older. Uh, but now extending guys before their deal runs out, like the Braves have done, like a couple more teams have done a couple times, like the Mariners did with Julio like they might do with Kirby or Gilbert or Raleigh. We'll see. Um, it's just a better way to do things. One, you extend guys in-house, which is really good, partially if you know you can keep developing them more like you already have. It's good for the fans to root for players who have been on the team and come up with the team. Um, as a fan myself, I would obviously do whatever it was to win a World Series. However, I'd rather watch a team with homegrown guys rather than completely building the roster from free agency. Uh, I love the extensions we've made to the guys we've traded for or brought up. And it's just a good way of doing things money-wise. I think you lock them into what money is worth now. It always devalues a little bit as time goes on. You can generally get them at a cheaper price because like, if, if they let like Acuna run through his normal rookie deal, like he would have gotten way more than a hundred million dollars. <laughs> like that's a hyper hyper niche example, but they when they can go negotiate with a team or multiple teams that drives the value up. When they can just negotiate with you, and you can lock them up for less money than if you let them hit free agency. It's just such a good move, such a smart move. And the Braves, again, they will continue doing this. And more teams, I think, are moving this way. We're, we're seeing it more and more that you extend guys before they even hit arbitration or you arbitrate with them one year 
they prove it to you that they're still amazing and they, they want to stay with your team and you extend them. It's a good way of doing things. Saves money, uh, fan interest goes up, and just general vibe of the clubhouse goes up. Like Guys who have been there a long time love the team more. They play for the crest a lot more rather than guys who might be bought through free agency. So I can't speak enough to how valuable this is and how honestly crazy the Braves' contract situations are. Uh, and credit to them. And uh, they did it again. I literally wrote down in my notes, Sean Murphy, uh, they fucking did it again. Because they did. And they'll keep doing it. So that was the big Braves news. And then the other huge extension news that just broke a couple weeks, or not a couple weeks, <clears throat> a couple days ago. I want to say two days ago. Rafael Devers. They agreed to arbitrate with him. And then not 24 hours later, they signed to do an 11 years, $331 million deal. Good God, they finally got one done. Congratulations, Heim, Bloom, and the Red Sox. You got them. Good for Devers. My first reaction was, hell yes, Rafi. Rafi Big Scoops, as they know him over there in the Northeast. Awesome player. Uh, happy he's getting his money. Happy he's not going to have to uproot his life. He knows generally where he's going to be. Uh, and he is awesome. So good for Rafi. And good for the Red Sox. This this is exciting news for them, despite the past few years of, you know, the fans have been a little restless. It it basically broke into a fever pitch this offseason when they let Xander walk, and he signed with the Padres for an absurd contract. But they had to do this. I think ownership, I think front office, the fans, everyone in baseball knew they had to extend Rafael Devers. I don't... I didn't have faith in them simply because I didn't know if Heim could negotiate big deals like this, but he clearly can. And this sends a message to the rest of the league that at least Heim, I don't know about ownership, Heim can deal these big deals. Because the the huge question was, he came over from the Rays, and is he going to run the Red Sox like the Rays? And he, I feel like he definitely had been the past few years. And that's not just necessarily a bad thing. Run the team like the Rays... But you're the Red Sox, who are one of the richest teams in baseball and can spend this money often and have the past few decades. They've done this a lot. And it's good that they're doing this and it sends a message to the league. I still don't know where ownership is. They're still in the process of trying to buy different sports teams. That's the big issue with Fenway is their sports group that owns a bunch of stuff and is constantly trying to buy more stuff. So they're not prioritizing the... The Red Sox, um, but clearly ownership knew they had to do this. Uh, and going forward, I think Heim can probably have them open the pocketbook a little bit more for guys coming down the pipe in the future. And the Red Sox now, thinking about it, have had a pretty good offseason. I mean, again, looking back to the Mookie stuff, right? Heim was essentially brought in. And there was no chance they were resigning Mookie. I think they brought him in to trade him, and he did that. Uh, and then, and then they 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 let Xander walk. The thing about Xander is like, honestly, the Red Sox probably didn't want to sign him to the deal that the Padres signed him to. Like, I'm very pro signing guys like that, and I'm very pro Xander Bogarts. But boy, that was a lot of years and money for an older guy like that. I still think he's going to be good. It's just the Red Sox maybe thought they were better off, especially waiting for Marcelo Meyer, who's coming up in a few years. So they're just banking on him. The The tough part is Xander should have never gotten to free agency, like I talked about when he signed. 
I think the Red Sox had a shorter term deal lined up for him uh, and they never got the deal done before last season or before the season before that. Like he wanted to stay in Boston and they could have had him for seven years and less money than what he went for. And they could have him and Devers for at least like five to six, seven more years and they're as their left side of the infield. That's the only problem with, with Xander. I don't think they would have signed him to that huge deal, but again, they should have. They, he shouldn't have got to free agency, and that is why they had to re-sign Devers. They couldn't let Devers go to free agency because another team was going to swoop him up. And then, boy, if they didn't do anything about Devers, sheesh, because I don't know what would happen. But good, uh, I feel good for Red Sox fans. I mean, I don't like Boston sports fans, but it was tough watching Red Sox fans these past few seasons. Basically, like. Root for their team during the season, but knowing something bad's going to happen in the offseason, like all year this year, they were like, oh, Xander's going to be a free agent after this season, and then they kept not re-signing him, and then look what happened. And that was after they already traded Mookie, and they had a bad year. It's just it's just a tough couple seasons for the Red Sox, but now looking back on their offseason... I think it's been a very successful offseason for them now that they re-signed Devers. Obviously, letting Xander go, like I said, they shouldn't have got to free agency, so I'm just going to, whatever, whatever. Xander's, he's gone. It's past them. They extend Devers, and Devers is great. He rakes. He's improved at third base. He's still not, nor I don't think he will ever be an amazing third baseman, obviously, but he was god-awful the first few years he came up, and now he looks like, I test wise, at least he looks like a guy who can play third base, which is huge, because the the value he gives you on offense is tremendous. He's like one of the best hitters in baseball. And then the Red Sox they brought in uh, Yoshida from Japan. They brought in uh, Justin Turner, uh, Jansen, and Kluber. Kluber had a pretty good year last year, to be honest. Seems like a Heim Rays signing, kind of like Michael Waka. Uh, under-the-radar guy who will probably have a silently pretty good year this year. Obviously, Jansen, we know about Kenley Jansen, and we know about Justin Turner, both proven veteran major league guys who will round out the team pretty well. And then Yoshida was a great signing just to get a top guy from Japan who seemingly will DH and play left field for them and then now extending Devers. I just think that's a pretty good offseason. Red Sox... Like a couple other teams, or one of those teams, where I still I gotta look at them a little bit more before I make any comments on what I think they're gonna do this year, because it's it's confusing. Not that I I know like what they're trying to do, especially they're definitely planning contention more around Marcelo Meyer and like Cassis and Dalbeck, the guys who still they gotta develop a little bit. But their team's not bad this year. They had a terrible year last year, uh, but they've addressed. Um, the majority of their terrible bullpen this offseason. They extended Devers. I don't know. They're they're in a tough division as well, though. That's the issue. That is the issue. The Yankees got better this offseason. The Rays, I don't think, have gotten better this offseason, but just health-wise, they automatically will be at a better starting point than they were in the middle of last season with all the injuries they had. The Orioles are on the come-up. The Blue Jays have reshifted things and honestly gotten better this offseason. It's a tough division. It's a tough division, but now they have Devers for 11 years, and they don't have to worry about that. So that's great for them. And that was basically the last transaction I wanted to talk about. So I will close the show out with uh, addressing 
Shohei Otani. And all the reports and every executive in baseball is essentially saying that next season Shohei Otani will sign a contract with a five as the number. It'll be 500 at least. $500 million. He might go for more than half a billion dollars. And the crazy thing is that after next season, then Soto is a free agent. And Soto will probably go for 400 plus because he'll be, I think, 26 in free agency. Uh, and then the next season after that, I think Vladdy's a free agent who might go for 300, 400 plus, depending on what he does these next few years. Because he's also going to be 26 when he hits free agency. Like, that's the craziest thing about these guys. Is those are so, like, Carlos Correa was 28 this year, and he was like a spring chicken before all this labor, like, not labor, uh, medical stuff came out. Like, he was like the young guy. And 26-year-olds hitting the market is going to, money is going to be spent. Especially Shohei Otani next year, though. Uh, executives are basically like, yeah, he's going for 500 plus, which makes a lot of sense. Makes a lot of sense. And there's not a lot of teams that can pay that. Steve Cohen is probably willing to do it. Uh, the Yankees could do it. The Red Sox are interesting. The Red Sox could do it. Um, the team I think he's going to end up signing for is the Dodgers. The Dodgers have the money. They have the space for him on the roster. They have the need. And they have an advantage of all these other teams that uh, nobody else has besides the Angels, is that he already lives in Los Angeles. So, <laughs> I don't know. I think I'm just going to talk myself into uh, this season, the fact that John Stanton barely spent any money. I'm just going to hope he made some really good investments this offseason. Um, he didn't invest in the team at all with money because he is going to give Shohei Otani $550 million over 10 years. I think that's exactly what he's doing. And nobody can tell me different until it happens. Uh, and that's the only thing I'm going to be praying for. Not getting my hopes up for. It's absolutely not going to happen. But it's interesting to think about a guy going for over $500 million, And we will likely see that next season with Shohei Otani. Which is crazy, but also worth it because he is just an alien. Just the, the best player I've ever watched, probably. Just something we've never, ever seen before. And there's a reason all the executives are saying 500 million plus because that's just what the league thinks about it too. So that is it for this podcast. Thank you all for listening. Really appreciate you making it all the way through. Again, like in the start of the show, please, if you have not, uh, rate and review the podcast wherever you're listening. Really appreciate it. Uh, reach out to me on Twitter at chaosball1977. If you want to email any questions to me, I'll answer on the show. My email is in the podcast description and my Twitter, but it is uh, M's, so M-S, and then chaosball at gmail.com. So please reach out. I love interacting with you all. Shout out to the new listeners. I know you're there. I know you're listening. Drop a five-star rate if you want, please. Uh, but most importantly... Have a good rest of your day, and I will see you next time. And look out within the next 24 to 48 hours of Carlos Correa signing with the Oakland A's.